We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we get started. Father, we know that you are all-powerful, that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and and everything that's within them, Lord. And we come to you today humbly, trusting in your ability to change our lives, Lord, from the inside out. Lord, we can dress pretty, we can look nice, we can be friendly. But God, only you can work on the inside. Only you can grow us in our sanctification, making us more like Jesus Christ. And as I read and study the book of Second Peter, I'm encouraged to, to see the benefits that you've given us as Christians as we begin to look at your word. And I pray, Lord, that your transformation will go out into the people of this congregation, that you will in your great mercy and grace open the ears of those who have never heard the truth of the gospel. And I pray, God, that you will knock loudly today as we look at your word as if you are calling someone to salvation here today. Lord, we trust in your ability in all things and not in our own. And I ask, Lord, that you fill me and empower me with the Spirit of God that I might speak the truth in boldness, in accuracy, and in truth. And I ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, if you were not here last week, we began our study on the book of Second Peter, and I'd like to bring you up to speed on what we talked about. <clears throat> Peter began this book, if you remember, with an introduction, and he spoke about himself. He told us a few things, and, and in verse 1, he begins to deal with the authorship of the book. He begins to tell us uh, who this letter was written to. Now, it's not as clear as it was in the book of First Peter, but he also, if you remember, clarifies in chapter 3, verse 1, that this was the second letter that he had been writing to these people. And so it's the same uh, people that had received the letter before. We know that it was Peter who wrote it, as he clarified that uh, in the rest of the book. And... If you remember, Peter claimed to be an apostle. He claimed to be a man that had seen Christ, that had witnessed the risen Lord, and he had been given gifts and signs and, and able to do miracles because of his apostleship. And so he had an authority to preach the truth of God's Word. And if, if you recall, he also said that he was a humble servant. He was a doulos of God, uh, called himself one of the lowest things that you could be called in that culture and in that day, a slave to Jesus. And we, as we carried into verse 2, we began there to teach about our need for knowledge and understanding our faith in Jesus Christ, in the person of Christ, in our salvation. 
We said there in that outline that uh, to, to, to avoid false teachers, the first sec, second section was to avoid false teachers by understanding our faith. Now, if you were here last week, I changed salvation to faith because I told you as I go through this, I'll make some changes to it because the more I study, the more I understand and the more I'm able to communicate then. And so I changed it to faith instead of salvation. But Peter wants us to have success over false teachers in these days in which we lived in, in the days in which they lived in. And so, this begins with an understanding of your faith in the person of Christ. We understood that the faith that we have was something that was received. It's not something that you were able to to earn by your own merit, something that you were able to accomplish by your own personal ability, but it was a divine gift from above. We know that it was by the righteousness of Christ He lets us know that we have been granted uh, these abilities uh, to have the forgiveness of God in our lives and that knowledge of our faith in Christ will help protect us from false teachers in our day. Because many teachers will teach you there's something that you have to do to be saved. You have to do this or do that. And the reality is, Scripture says it's by faith alone, through Christ alone, that we inherit the kingdom of God. And so that's just a quick, brief look back on what we looked at last week. But this week, we're going to talk about our understanding of our faith in the power of God. Because of the fact that it's just as important for us to understand our faith in Christ, our salvation, we must also understand our faith in the power of God so that we can avoid these false teachers of our days and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So last week we learned about our faith in the person of Christ and this week we're going to learn about the power of Christ. So without delay, let's jump into our text this morning. If you will, turn with me to the book of 2 Peter, chapter uh, 1. We'll be looking at verses 3 to 4. My, my objective this week was to preach verse 3 to 11 and end up 3 and 4. So I got a little long-winded in my thought process. But I think God has a great message for us this morning of encouragement and, and, and of ability to overcome things in our lives. So beginning in verse 3, it says, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now last week we wrapped up our message, if you remember, by grace and peace being multiplied to us as Christians through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Through knowing the person of Christ. And this week he continues, but instead of talking about faith in a person, he's talking about a power in a person. Faith in his power and the resources that we have, so to speak, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we become knowledgeable, personal knowledge, personal relationship with Jesus. And so he says there in verse 3, seeing his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and holiness, godliness. 
Seeing that His divine power. Whose divine power? What's He referring to here? And I think He's talking about Christ's divine power. Christ has made us uh, use of His divine power in order that He might grant people, Christians, all of us, everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Now the Greek verb here for has granted simply means to give or to bestow or, 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 or something is, that's given to someone. And it's used more often in the sense of when it's given by a king or a higher authority or a high official and, and even the creator of the universe, God Himself. We see a, a picture of this type of granting when Joseph, if you recall, there took the body of Jesus and he was granted the body of Christ in the book of Mark chapter 15 verse 45. It's something that all believers are given at conversion. We have been granted everything pertaining to life and godliness as Christians. His divine power has granted us all things. And now the question that, that we need to be asking ourselves, and the question that I asked myself was, what does he mean when he says pertaining to life in godliness? What does that mean? What, what does that look like? How is that lived out in our daily lives? Now as I studied these words, I, I asked myself the question, what does the phrase life and godliness mean? And listen, I want you to understand it's best understood not as two separate words, but two related words that bring forth one idea, one thought. They describe each other. Now, we call this kind of structure in English, we're going, here we go to English again, you know, the more I study God's Word, the more I become familiar with English. I didn't learn this stuff when I was in school because I didn't pay attention. But as I begin to study God's Word, I have to learn and understand what's happening. And, and they call this a hindedias. What simply means that, that the expression of an idea... By the use, uh, usually two independent words that's connected by the word and. And so you could say uh, fat and happy. You could say uh, tall and tough. It's two words that just help describe and make understood what's being communicated. And so when we look at this basic idea of each word representing a single concept, we see the word life and godliness. And when we look at that, we understand what it says. It means a godly life. To, to be what God wants us to be. To live the kind of life God wants us to live, and that's a godly life. And so Christ in His divine power has given believers everything that they need in order to live a godly life. The thing I want to ask you today is this. As you sit there in your seat and you sit there and you listen to me, I want to ask you this morning, do you feel like you're living a godly life? Or do you feel spiritually defeated? Wore down, beat down? 
I think this is a verse that every single Christian needs to hear, including myself. Because maybe not today. You may be feeling godly today, but tomorrow, the next day, the years to come, you may go through a valley in your life where you don't feel so godly. You may have a time in which you doubt things. You may have a time in which you question God. There will come a time in your life when you go through a valley. In this verse will be a great help and advantage to you as a Christian to know. And so if you're here this morning and you're not feeling godly, I want you to understand it's not that we haven't been given the tools we need to accomplish the task of living a godly life. It's because we're not relying on the power of God. The divine Christ. You take an elephant for an example. Maybe I should have put a picture up there to create a, a remembrance for you. But just think of an elephant. They're big animals. They're gray and their feet are huge and, and, and they are distinctive similarities between them and us. Now we don't look quite alike, but they're very smart animals. They're very tough animals. We're smart and, and human beings are tough. As a matter of fact, me and my kids were last night watching the world's strongest man. There's some pretty strong people out there. We have distinct similarities. But elephants can be constrained by a tiny rope tied to a tiny stake ten inches nailed into the ground. How is that possible? Well, in Southeast Asia, elephants are still used for modes of transportation consistently. Many people that go there to visit are very amazed at how the fact that these elephants can be restrained by a tiny string in a stick stuck in the ground. How is that possible that you can clamp an elephant's foot tie it to a string, put a stick in the ground, and expect that that animal, with the power that it has, not pull it out of the ground. The trick works because as young baby elephants, they are tied to a trunk with a large rope they're tied to stakes that are concreted in the ground and they pull and they pull and they pull until their strength is completely gone. And soon they learn they can't move when they're tied up. The trainer uh, increasingly uses smaller ropes and smaller stakes until the animal is trained that it can't move when it's tied up. Imagine one of the strongest animals in the world constrained by something a small child could remove himself from. And it's all because they failed to believe that they can break free from being tied up. They have the capability, but they don't have the confidence. Doesn't that describe us as Christians? Sometimes? 
We have the might to live godly lives, but we don't have the minds to live godly lives. We have the capability to live godly lives, but we don't have the acceptability in our minds that we can do it. We have the power, but we don't have the peace that God, in His great mercy, has given us everything we need to live lives of godly and holy lives. We are just like those elephants. We've been blessed with the power to move, but Satan has had us tied up for so long that we are not able to move, to live godly, to overcome sin, to stick it out just a wee bit longer in our marriages. Well, I want you to know this, this morning God has granted to you everything you need to live a godly life. I want you to look at your neighbor and say this morning, I got the power. Look at your neighbor and say, I got the power. Don't go don't, don't, don't busting out no dance moves, but look at your neighbor and say, I got the power. We are not going to allow Satan to hold us back any longer. We're not going to allow him to tie us down to the mundane things of life, to the sin that rules over many of us today. Because God has granted us everything we need to live a life of holiness. Scripture says, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Now, don't miss me this morning as if I'm, I'm talking of some self-ability in ourselves that we have the power and the motivation through meditation or whatever the case. No, our ability is in Jesus Christ because we have been crucified with Christ and no longer live but it is Christ who lives in us and listen this morning if you've been regenerated if God has made you a new creature in Christ you have been Christ has been placed in you and it's no longer you who lives but Christ who lives in you and so when we do things that don't bring honor to glory to God it's us living in our flesh not God living through us but God has given us everything we need in the power to overcome them. We have power because Christ is in us. Listen, this morning, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with alcoholism, with adultery, with lust, with lying, with stealing, with adultery, with homosexuality, fornication, hate, jealousy, envy, strife, unforgiveness in your life, whatever it may be, you fill in the blanks. Christ said that His divine power, the same power that created the heavens and the earth, the same power that created life and everything in it, the same power that sent plague after plague after plague to Pharaoh. It's the same power that split the Red Sea so that the, in the Exodus they could get through. It's the same power that the walls at Jericho was broken down. It's the same power that manna, that God rained down from heaven so that they could eat in their times of need. It's the same power that we see when, when rain, fire came down from heaven in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the same power that when Christ hung on the cross, He completed our 
Sin, past, present, and future, and it's the same power that rose Christ up from the dead that we have in Christ Jesus to live holy lives. This is a power that's unspeakable and unthinkable. And yet we stroll through life time after time again in our own flesh tied up to a stake, unable to overcome sin in our life. And I'm just as guilty as you. But as I read this, I began to see, oh, the divine power that God gives us is something special and real. And we don't have to be defeated anymore. We've been given everything we need. We simply need to rely on Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't, want to, I don't want to be the same man year after year after year until I'm looking at Jesus Christ in my, in, in my face. I want to be transformed into a God-man that's used for the kingdom purposes. And if you're here this morning and you can look up here and you can say, you know what, I can't see much change in my life in the last ten years. Listen, it may be the last year you walk on this earth. We want change. I want change in my life. And, and I want you to want change in your life. And what I'm telling you this morning is God has given you the ability to live that changed out life through the divine gifts that He's given. I know it's not a popular lifestyle. That's why we have people, they call people Jesus freaks. I've been called Jesus freak. I've been called a Bible thumper. Whatever. You guys in high school, listen, it's not a popular lifestyle to live. You'll be mocked. You'll be persecuted for your faith. But God has given you everything you need to live a godly lifestyle. And He expects us to strive for holiness. Even when we fail... We, we've been given the gift of salvation. We can get back up, finish the race strong. And then it lists, listen, it says, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Now it's by the means of our knowing Him, Christ, in His power, and because we have come to know, if you remember the word epigenosis, it means to know God personally in a personal relationship. When we begin to, to know God personally, we need to understand that we can live out this godly life because it's in the knowledge of Him. It's not in the knowledge of Stuart. It's not in the knowledge of you in your abilities, it's in the knowledge of God in His ability that He has granted to us everything we need pertaining to life and to godliness. How many of us today here have shut our ears to the calling of God? Because here it says, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. God in His great mystery in His great love and grace, called us as believers. And when, when I saw the goodness of God, 
When I listen to the special this morning, I hear about how I was a wretched man, but yet I now am a sinner saved by grace as Christ took my place. It brings joy to my heart because I remember the day that God in His great mercy showed me His glory and His excellence. This is an awesome thing. But how many of you have closed your ears to the call of God this morning? If God is knocking on the door of your life today, I want to tell you, don't miss the opportunity. Don't walk out of those doors and fail to respond to the call of God in your life. You may be a Christian. He may be calling you to to take the next step to get out of that crib and get at the table and begin to eat on your own and then get out of the table and get in the kitchen and begin to give spiritual food to people. Whatever it is God's calling you this morning, I I want you to know don't ignore the knock because He never promises tomorrow. But the day the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. You see, God when we see God for who He truly is, when we experience the the salvation that takes place, the transformation that God begins to work out in our lives when we begin to see God for who He is and when He calls us, you can't help but see His glory and His excellence. And when it's seen, you will do whatever it takes. You will, do, you will go wherever you need to. You will do whatever you have to do in order to get it. And this morning... If you've never seen the glory of God and His excellence, I want to ask you this morning, don't miss it. Because we can live this life in the flesh, in our own abilities, and we can fail day after day after day after day and ignore God's call and never have victory over life. But when we trust in the person of Christ, we begin to see the power of Christ and we begin to have faith that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God will begin to grow us in the grace and the knowledge and the mercy of Himself. In the beginning of part verse 4 here, it says, For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. What is he talking about when he says, for by these? If you're reading out of the King Jimmy this morning, it it says, whereby are given unto us. The question there lies for, what are these referring to though? For by these he has granted. I think he's talking about his glory and his excellence. It's It's the very thing that, back what we just read. And it's by these attributes of His all, His excellent, His glory, His splendor, it's by these attributes in which He calls and draws man unto Himself. And it's by by this drawing man unto Himself that He granted to us these promises. It's the promise 
that you have everything you need to accomplish God's will in your life, to live in a godly way. Remember, life and godliness are the same thing. They help each other be understood. You don't struggle with life, do you? I mean, most people don't struggle with life unless you're ill. But we live life. I go to sleep, I wake up, I live my day. I don't struggle with that. It's just, I just do it. Because He's given me life. But yet He's also given me holiness. So why do I struggle with holiness? Because I'm living in my flesh. But He has given us the promise. It says, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, if you were like me, you don't like the word become. You say, Stuart, I ain't really thought about it that much. You might look right past it, but think about it for a minute. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. If it is the godly life that you and I live, that we have been promised, and it's by them that you become partakers of the divine nature, we got a problem, don't we? Because it, it, what that's saying to me, that if I don't live a godly life, then I may not become a partaker, but praise to God for the Greek language. Because the word become is in the aorist tense, which means past tense. But it don't make sense in English. So basically we could say, so that by them you may became. It is basically telling us that we all were part of the divine nature of God. And the proof of that is that we do live godly lives. That's the proof in the pudding. That's how you can be sure that God has truly regenerated your heart. This morning, if you're here and you think that God regenerated your heart because you prayed a prayer, you've missed the picture. It's not about praying a prayer. You, you show me anywhere in the Scripture that says pray a prayer and you'll be saved. You won't find it. It's not there. But James says we need to test our faith, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's the benefit that I can see that God has changed my life. He's made me a new person in Christ. And because I see the fruits and the benefits of that, I can be sure that God has regenerated me. Listen, this morning if you're here and you say I'm a Christian and there's been no change in your life, what makes you think that took place? God is the creator and developer and builder of the human body, all the cells and all of the great things. He's the creator of the mountains, the, the, the maker of the snow that falls from the sea. And if you tell me you have an encounter with the Holy God and your life don't change, something ain't right. God has given us everything we need. That don't mean we're going to be perfect. But there's got to be change in our lives. There's got to be. We have become partakers of the divine nature through Jesus Christ. And it's because, not of what we've done, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Going back into verse 2. 
It's the righteousness, the perfect life that Jesus Christ lived, that He went to the cross and bore our sins, that He made us right before God. He justified us before a holy God that we, when we're seen by God, are seen as Christians as holy and righteous, even though we're living a sinful flesh. Because... He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Christians are partners in this life. We are partners. We belong to God. The word can be translated as fellowship or, or shares or partakers. The, the, the point that he's making is that we as Christians are owned by God. He has bought His children with a price. Colossians 3.3 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's with Christ we're hidden. We are partakers of the divine nature with Jesus Christ. But while we are partakers with Jesus Christ, Peter is about to explain to us what we are not partakers of. He says in the last part of verse 4, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And because we are partakers of the divine nature, we are forgiven of our sins. And therefore, because we have been made right with God, we can escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. This world will offer you all kind of sin. You know, I'm recording the Falcons game right now. I'm really excited to watch it. Because I'm a Falcons fan. But let me tell you, as I watch that, there's going to be temptations to show me things I don't need to see. Thank God for DVR. Fast forward. We have to understand that God has removed us and created in us a new person. And we need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ so that we can escape the corruption that's in the world. Our sinful nature has been bought and been made right with God and we will escape the final destructions that come after the second coming of Christ if we are truly partakers of the divine nature of God. How about you today? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you seeing the, the godly life being in a process of growing, we need to make sure that that's taken place. Have you seen His goodness, His glory, and His excellence? Because if you haven't this morning, I want you to understand you will not escape the final destruction that is awaiting after Jesus comes. That's not a popular message. I don't want to emphasize too much about hell, but it must be preached. Just like sin must be preached. Because a man can't understand his salvation until he understands his sin. And if you don't understand your sin, you can't be saved because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it says. And if you're here this morning, you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ 
You won't escape until the day you do. Romans 20, I mean Revelation 26 says this, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. If you're a Christian today, we will all be priests in heaven. But if you're not in Christ, you will not escape the corruption. And that word, the corruption, when you look at it in the original Greek, denotes an organism that is rotting and is accompanied by stench. It's not a pretty picture. But God, He loves all humanity enough they would send His precious Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. It doesn't have to be that way. He's given you everything you need to repent, believe the Gospel, that Christ in His fullness left heaven and became a man. And that He lived the perfect sinless life. He was beaten, hung on a cross, and said to Telestite, is finished. And when He closed His eyes and breathed His last breath, His body was taken down. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, He rose from the grave and appeared to the disciples and over more than 500 people. living defeated Christian life this morning we don't want you to walk out of these doors feeling defeated that's why I said look at your neighbor and say I have the power not in yourself but in Christ because we do have the power to be successful Christians to bring honor and glory to God in everything we do everything we say and everything we think and when we don't we're taking our tool bag off and we're setting it down and we're saying I'm going to live in my own ability and in my own flesh because God has given us everything we need pertaining to life to godliness and next week we'll be looking at the Christian's disciplines but you'll have to be here to see that and this morning I want you to know that I believe in a God that has given us the ability to live holy we need to hold each other accountable and to trust in the power of God just as much as we trust in the person of salvation. Let us pray.